Good evening, everyone. Ashley Brown here. Welcome to our Thursday Night Hawks Insiders Twitter safe space. Lots going on as we view the football world through the lens of the two matters that color, but the two colors that matter most to everybody: brown and gold. This is our pre-draft special, even though there's still uh, ten days to the draft. AFL media draft guru and friend of Hawks Insiders, Cal Toomey, will be with us in about fifteen minutes or so to face the grilling from Prinzi and others about what might happen come the draft and Hawthorne. So that'll be a great chat, hugely popular last year. We look forward to chatting to him again, chatting to him again this season, uh, this week. Uh, in the meantime, I am joined by my regular co-hosts, uh, nearly a full uh, deck tonight. Hello, Darren Levine. Hi, Ash. Yeah, just another pretty boring week as a Hawthorne supporter. So don't know how we're going to fill this, this space tonight, but... I think we'll we'll make a plan. Oh, we'll scramble some out. Danny Prince, hello. Ash, uh, nice to chat to you again and good to be back on the spaces. Yes, good to have you here. And Brad, after uh, I think you were off last week, Brad, hello. Evening all. For an, a, an irrelevant club, we seem to be in the news quite a lot lately. So interesting times ahead. It is a lot going on with the footy club. We'll get through most, if not all of us, in the next little while. We have some competition tonight. The Hawks AFLW uh, Best and Ferris is on tonight, I believe. So if any results drop and anyone sees them, we'll, we'll drop those in uh, and give those a, a mention as they happen. We've been running a series of podcasts, and we thank everyone for listening to those. Uh, the feedback's been terrific. Uh, called the AGM Files. We've been interviewing each and every candidate for the board of the football club, we have one candidate left to do, Anne-Marie Pulitzer, which we will get to next week, even though voting officially opens tomorrow. I think we'll be getting our emails from the footy club. And also, uh, Richie Vandenberg is going to come on next week, who will be the new vice president, should Peter Nankable win. Richie is uh, very generously agreed to have a chat to us next week as well. So that'll be a podcast I think everyone will enjoy as uh, we get a chance to grill on the core business of the football club after all, which is the football. Um Daz, how would you surmise the podcast we've done so far with the various candidates? I mean, it really backs up the point we're talking about that uh, it's been unfortunate really that only three of them will get on because the, all the ones we've interviewed so far, and I'm pretty sure Anne-Marie will fit the bill as well, have been pretty impressive. Absolutely. Um, I've only had a chance to talk to one of the candidates, which was Katie, um, and she couldn't have been more impressive than the things that she's accomplished in just two years on the board. I think she's a terrific candidate. But the same can be said, and I've listened to all the other interviews with Maria and James and um, and also Ed, who's a good friend of the podcast, and Hawks Insiders as well. So it's, it's we're really spoiled for choice in the battle for the board. And um, I, I, think, I think the club's in a terrific position if we have people like this that are putting themselves up for these positions. Danny, you've been involved in a few of them. Um, what, what, what are your thoughts so far? Yeah, just echoing what uh, what Daz has just said, I think uh, the exciting part about it all, and look, it, the election campaign or media um, speculation around it, it's, got, it's all got a little bit unsavoury, to be honest, but when you actually talk to all of the candidates one-on-one, you couldn't be more impressed. And, and it is a shame that there's only, you know, uh, limited spots uh, available because you'd you'd love to be able to harness the skill set and the passion and the hawthornness that all of these um, candidates have and use it uh, for the betterment of the club. So I hope, regardless of uh, the direction that it goes, that um, the club can sort of um, bring these people into the fold, the ones that don't don't uh, get elected, and and use use them in some way, shape, or form. Because you'd hate to see good people lost uh, to the club. Uh, that is true. Uh, we're also running a survey uh, on the our Substack at the moment, uh, a, a survey of our uh, Hawks Insiders family with a few different questions. We're not going to tip the results just yet. I think Daz went uh, tomorrow. Does the poll expire tomorrow? Is that right? Yeah, the poll ends tomorrow. So if you haven't voted, now's a good time to jump in and have your say ahead of having your say. That's right. A, uh, one of the questions we're asking is, who is your preferred choice as president? That is interesting, uh, but uh, have your say, and we will drop those, uh, if not tomorrow afternoon, then certainly over the weekend um, as well. Uh, news from the Hawks, a little bit around before we get to Cal, who's already he was on the line briefly, he's dropped off, but he will be back 
at uh, 8.45. The big announcement today, uh, coincidental or not, I'll leave that to you guys to judge, that uh, the ADCO has been appointed to build the Kennedy Community Centre. So there was a media event out at at Dingley uh, this morning that dropped a bit too late for me to get there, unfortunately. But um, uh, it's... uh, it confirms that uh, what Pete Nagable told us on the podcast with us, that uh, construction will start uh, shortly and with a view to being completed in sometime in the middle of 2024. Um, Brad, saw you today in the corridors of our employer. You said it's the biggest announcement for 20 years by the footy club. That might be hyperbole, but it's a pretty important development nonetheless. Absolutely. I think the 2024 it was quite... Uh optimistic normally when we hear these deadlines from clubs especially when it involves building i'd say you've got to add on at least six months if not nine months but ash we have to touch on uh jeffrey kennett's tweet today i'm not sure if our listeners managed to see it it was only up for about 20 or 25 minutes but it had me in stitches i'm not sure if those out there saw it but um i took a screen grab ash i'm not sure if you have it there i'd send it to the group he managed to spell the name of our club in, uh, correctly, and the video he put up looked like it was filmed underwater. It was unbelievable coming from, you know, current president of the club, and I thought it was it just basically sum you know sums up Jeff's last few weeks, if not his last few years at the club, which in my opinion has been an absolute shambles. So it did make me laugh. I'm sure everyone else had a bit of a laugh, but yeah, very funny. But the announcement was yeah a brilliant hopefully secures you know our future as a destination club i think we are due for a you know quite a big change uh waverly has been really really good i know dingley you know is a bit out in the suburbs but i think what they're going to build is going to set the club up for a very long time the cost of it's going to be uh interesting uh, to follow i can't imagine it being cheap but i think the future of the club with what they are going to build there will really set us up as a destination club again it's only the opinion of one person, but I was talking to a friend of mine in the media today who was at the event who's quite sceptical of all things when it comes to Hawthorne. Um, but he he was taken aback at the facility, given it just a flat earth at the moment, but the location, he didn't sort of quite realise how close it is to about three different freeways and how accessible it is to uh, the heart of the Bayside and the, the nice Bayside areas that... Uh, that uh, f- well-remunerated footballers choose to live in. So um, Hawthorne maintain, they've been very steadfast that this it will be a, uh, once the facility is built, it will absolutely shore up the club standing as a destination club. It'll be a place that people want to come and play at um, and be part of. So uh, it was good enough for, for him. Hopefully be good, good enough for uh, prospective recruits, Danny. Yeah, sorry, I got stuck on the mute button there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think the the fact that, um, and I don't know if you saw, there was a few videos, um, news clips and stuff like that, that had a bit of a sort of a rendered view of what it might look like and inside and stuff. Some of the some of the things they're looking to put in there are just state of the art, like no other club in the AFL are going to have anything like it. So, um you know, we chatted to Katie Hudson yesterday. She touched on it um, and she sort of hinted at a few bits and pieces, um, investing in technology, which will see our, which will help our club here and in the future and um, talking about Dingley itself. And it just gets, it just gets you super excited um, to get those players in there. And, and look, even if the on-field performance, performance only changes by a percent or two, like you said, Ash, I think the making, making it a, a, a real feature for Sam and Mark McKenzie and the team when they go recruiting to potential free agents or draftees and uh, people they're looking to trade for. I think that's that's massive. And it, to have a weapon like that in your back pocket is huge. And just such coincidental timing as well with the election coming up to for that announcement to happen. <laughs> just what an absolute freak of uh, nature, everything coming together there. So um, congrats to the club for, for timing that so well. Yeah, yeah, quite remarkable piece of time by the club. There's been a fair bit coming out. They dropped the the financial report the other day, $32 million profit, which obviously takes into account the uh, the pokies, uh, the sale of pokies venues. Um, the club, uh, a lot of noise about being good health. There are others 
uh, with a head for numbers to say that numbers aren't quite as impressive when you drill down into it. Um, but certainly the club's knack of making a profit every year continues. The big question for Katie Hudson, if you haven't listened to the podcast, I suggest you do so, is what will they do with this money now? They've got a future fund, but will the future fund just be there to make select investments into different areas or will they invest in some assets that will generate revenue down the track? So that's the decision the club has to make. Clubs such as Richmond have done a great job with uh, uh, venues that uh, generate the more money that have, don't have any gaming in them at all. So a lot of decisions for clubs to make. Uh, hopefully the smart people will uh, make the right choices. Patrick, we know your dingley's your your thing, mate. Good evening. Uh, you've got a question or an observation for us? I don't know if I should uh, be promoting rival podcasts, but Peter Nankerville was on the Hawks Talk pod and seemed to give a lot of information about what's happening. Yes, he did. Well, yes. Well, we spoke to him a couple of weeks ago. First, uh, they come to us first, Patrick. You should uh, certainly be aware of that. But uh, the Hawks Talk guys have done a great job as well with. Uh, Talking to people, but uh, yeah, Nankerville's been quite uh, open with what the facility's going to be like. But really, there's not a lot of mystery, to, and they've been talking about the facility for really. I mean, I think 2016 they bought the land, and to, they've been looking since 2013 in trying to in trying to find a, a property that they want to do. And, and what they announced today was really the, the final confirmations going ahead. But in terms of what they're uh, proposing to do there, that's sort of been out there for a while. It will be a a very good facility. It's a bit of a uh, an arms race in the AFL. To at some stage, every team in the AFL has the best facility. It was uh, was Hawthorne at Waverley when it first opened. Um, now it will be. Uh, now they're saying it might be the facility that Brisbane's about to unveil, which possibly is the AFLW Grand Final next week, and that's a shambolic exercise in itself, Bradley. But um, they uh, Brisbane's will be very good, and they may hold the mantle for eighteen months or so until Hawthorne's facility opens up uh, sometime in 2024. The best news out of it was that um, it'll be certainly match ready to host AFLW games and that, that'll become the home ground for the Hawthorne AFLW team with complete with spectator and broadcast facilities, which I think will be a very good outcome. Um, so before we're waiting, just waiting for Cal to rejoin us any minute now to start our sort of our draft preview. A couple of players, uh, uh, Danny and Brad, who have uh, announced they're going to join clubs. Uh, Liam Stocker training with St Kilda. Connor McKenna has chosen Brisbane. Uh, Danny, as I always ask you, should we have any FOMO with either of those two players? Well, we have about 432 running halfback flankers on our list. So Connor McKenna, probably not a need. He's a very good player, Connor McKenna, and he'll he'll help the Lions. Um, he'll free up a few of their players to be able to play different positions, which will help. But um, I'm not too worried about uh, him not joining Hawthorne and joining another club. I think uh, it puts the Lions right in a in, in the premiership window uh, with the off-season they've had. And Brad tweeted about that earlier, so I won't steal his thunder there. Uh, and Stocker, no. I mean, if he's not getting it done at the, at the Blues with the price they paid to get him, um, he's probably not going to get it done at Hawthorne. And, you know, we've got a lot of good young midfielders. We've brought in Cooper Stevens. We're going to bring in another midfielder or two in the draft coming up. So I'd rather invest in our own people. Um, Brad, is Brisbane the Carlton of 2023? Uh, I think Brisbane are a lock for top four. I think they've got no excuses. They've obviously brought in Jack Gunston, who will complement their forward line brilliantly. They've got Danaher, Hipwood, Charlie Cameron, um, Zach Bailey, who's obviously a superstar. I think he'll play more midfield. Cam Rayner as well. The lines are absolutely stacked. Dunkley, brilliant pickup. Uh, Ashcroft will play round one. Jasper Fletcher will come in and, you know, play some games next year. McKenna's a nice pickup. Uh, I think, yeah, Brisbane, no excuses. I reckon they're a lock for top four and probably top two. But McKenna and Stocker, nah. Uh, I think uh, midfield has a long way to go, but I'd rather be giving games, you know, to Ward and Stevens and McDonald, obviously who we pick up with pick seven as well. Uh, and uh, yeah, Connor McKenna, as Prinzi said, enough halfback flankers for us. I think he's a nice pickup for our Brisbane, but definitely not for us. So no, well done All to right. the Lions though. That off season is as good as an off season as any clubs had in the last five years, I reckon. So Chris Fagan, no excuses next season. Well, our guests might have some views on who's at the best off-season. That might be one of our questions. His name is Cal Toomey from AFL Media. He's their draft guru. 
He joined us once again, as he does well every year. Now, it's now a tradition of two years. Cal, good evening. Hey, Ash. How are you? Very well. So good to have you with us once again. Now, of course, if, uh, we're going to have a bit of a conversation with Cal. If you've got a question for Cal or, or, a que- or an observation, uh, permission to speak, we'll get you on. We'll try and make this a wide-ranging conversation. We'll hang around for the next half hour or so and uh, answer some questions. Um, Cal, the uh, mock draft, has it started? Has it taken shape? Is it just a blank canvas at the moment? How's it going? <laughs> Not a blank canvas. It's been a um, work in progress for a few weeks now and always start to get myself in order after the trade period. And obviously, a pretty massive trade period for everyone this year. So, probably a little bit further down the line um, or down the track than um, in previous years where we might have started a little bit earlier. But uh, there has been a, a longer gap as well between the trade period and the draft this year, an extra week because of the AFLW Grand Final. And obviously, the draft's a little bit deeper. So, next week, hopefully, uh, get things a little bit more in order. But, you know, the cogs are turning over a little bit. All right, so we're going to hand you over to our, our draft guru, Danny Prince, in just a moment. But uh, I'll start with, um, we've been, uh, it's a bit of, uh, we've obviously here at uh, Hawks Insiders had our heart set on Harry Sheasel for a long time. He's one of us, after all. I've spent a bit of time with the family at the, uh, recently, and it's fair to say they're going through a very tormenting mental exercise of divorcing themselves from 50 years, in some cases, of love for the football club as they prepare to become North Melbourne supporters, I suspect. What's more surprising, that Hawthorne finished too high, uh, too high in the ladder to get him or that he's now going to be one of the first three or four players picked in the draft? <laughs> Good question. I've obviously spent a bit of time with Harry this year as well and he is and has been a Hawthorne nut. I had, I think he went to their final game in round or one of their final games in round 21 or 22, whenever it was. And he, he said, look, it was kind of weird going to the game knowing that it was every chance it was going to be the last time he went to a Hawthorne game as a Hawthorne supporter. So he has obviously been a pretty avid one along the way. Oh, he would have been right in the mix. So, thing did, did the way the trade period play out, play into the hands of North Melbourne in terms of uh, moving out Jason Horn Francis, but giving them two picks? I don't know the answer to this. It's the ultimate hypothetical that only North will really know, but would they have taken him um, if they only had one selection? Or would they have just taken a midfielder um, instead with George Wardlaw uh, by himself? So that's where that one really is an interesting sort of um, hypothetical one way or the other. But uh, look, I, I think everyone's pretty excited for Harry as well. If you've got to know Harry, he's a, he's a lovely young man. And I think a lot of people um, who know him and have watched him over the years will be pretty excited for him. Yeah, again, it's been a bit of time with him next week for another publication I'm doing a feature on him for and uh, yeah I've, I've got to have a bit as well last couple he's a lovely guy from lovely family and uh, I think that I think they're pretty happy that he's going to North Melbourne I think it's probably they would love to, him to go on to Hawthorne but I think they would see North as a pretty good outcome and also I'm the gonna... second most famous student from Mount Scopus College so after you yeah <laughs> well he, he joins Michael Klinger and the uh, and Julian Curzon on the sporting the pantheon of sporting greats to uh have gone to Mount Scopus College. Um, interestingly, he didn't go to... You know, he had a couple of chances to go to APS school to, to sort of develop his footy, but chose to stay at Scopus, which is uh, commendable for him. I'm going to hand you over to Danny Prince, Cal, who is our draft guru. He's got go a for question for you. Cal, uh, great to chat to you again this year, mate. Um, I've, got a, I've got a list of questions. Uh, I'm going to start with just taking a quick look back at the 2021 draft before we move on to this year's. Um, so... Obviously, our season, the Hawks season, has been viewed in a few different ways. Um, some have said it's pretty poor. Others have seen plenty of upside in terms of development of youngsters and stuff like that. Um, I just want to get your thoughts on the draftees, Josh Ward, Connor McDonald, Sam Butler, Jai Sarong and Ned Long, and their impact over the season. Uh, and if they met or you think that they met the expectations set for them this year. I think they absolutely did. And I think Hawthorne met and exceeded expectations in this season as well. Um, I spoke a couple of weeks ago on um, on SEN around just how I think it's going to be hard to match the same sort of wins for next year for Hawthorne, given the experience out. But I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing either um, in terms of the overall development of the group and, and what we saw at stages throughout 2022 
look, I think uh, the Hawthorne recruiting last year was was pretty solid, and and already have shown really good signs. I think Ward in his stages was was you know, a level above some of the other players in the competition uh, as a youngster. I think Butler showed a bit. I think Connor McDonald settled in probably a little bit um, easier and quicker than. Um, many might have expected. I remember speaking to Sam Mitchell early in the season, our uh, preseason um, uh, for AFL.com.au, and he was pretty bullish on an impact that McDonald could make straight away. So uh, I feel like uh, Hawthorne should be pretty pleased that what the outcome of last year's draft was and is looking like. And I'm of the view as well, I'm sure we'll cover it, but I'm of the view as well that the, the, the exits of um, the mature age and, and experienced players across this year in McAvoy and O'Meara and Mitchell and Shields and uh, Gunston. I don't think it's going to hurt that much in terms of a midfield space. Everyone's looking and saying what kind of uh, effect is it going to have and and what's that going to play out to be in terms of week to week. I I just think that you'd be able to get through that and and it creates a platform for James Warple to win back his prominence within that midfield and and help out some of the other midfielders around there. But already, in terms of rankings, it was a pretty poorly ranked midfield as it was. So um, can it get too much different than that? I, I think it will get better in time, and, and next year might be tough on a wins front, but uh, I think there's a fair bit to like there as well. Yeah, there's a real uh, take a step back to take a couple of steps forward sort of vibe uh, ahead of next season. I think you touched on um, moving out some of the midfield options to give opportunities for our younger players. And, um, you know, you could see through coaching and tactical moves that Sam Mitchell was trying to do that in season. But when those players like O'Meara and Mitchell are on the list, you have to play them. And it, it, they almost got in the way of the development of some of these guys. So um, I want to touch on, and I'm going to get straight to it. Um, this year's draft, um, the Hawks currently sit at pick six. That probably gets pushed back to pick seven uh, when the Ashcroft bid comes in. Who Who's shaping up as the pick uh, for the Hawks? Who, who do they look like getting? And, and yeah, who is your thought as to who it's going to be? I wish I knew for sure. I, I feel like there's still a fair few balls in the air in terms of how this top group is, is shaping up. And a lot of that's got to do with what the Bombers and Gold Coast are doing ahead. I mean, um, the Bombers are still working through what they're going to pick up and, and names keep on getting floated with them and Sardis and Philippo and, 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 and you know, there's Gold Coast with Ruben Jimby and uh, Jai Clark, among others, who are going to be in the mix there. So all those names, I think, are on the, on the, on the board for Hawthorne. And Hawthorne, and I've said it a couple of times, and I'll use the joke again, they, they do interview more than Graham Norton. They really do um, stretch their, their draftees and get to know them a, a whole lot. They're going through another round of those this week and over the weekend with a couple of, well, a number of star players for that group. So I think Sardis, I think um, Clark, I think McKenzie, I think Filippo, um, I think Humphrey are all the players that Hawthorne's putting a fair bit of time into. So I'd be surprised if it came from outside of that group. I don't think I missed anyone there. Um, so I think it'd be around there, but... I mean, there's a lot of talk about Jai Clark and, and their interest levels in him. He fits from a character point of view. He fits from a player point of view. Do they want something a little bit different? If they want something a little bit different, then Humphrey could be their guy. Um, I'm, I'm a big Humphrey fan. I'm a big Jai Clark fan. Could Filippo be their guy who's a very different player in that he's a half-forward midfielder who is 190 centimetres and is damaging, athletic, you know, versatile. Um, so Ruben Jimby they've got interest in as well so they've really shown a, a strong level of interest in that whole six or seven players and, and I think a, a little bit's going to be dependent on obviously what the Bombers and Gold Coast do ahead of them but they'll, they'll pick a pretty nice player at that spot If you had to narrow it down because you give us half the drafting options there Cal if you had to narrow it down to three who are your top three um, for, for our fans here who do you think the top three options are for the Hawks at that pick? <laughs> No, I'm giving uh, you. I'm giving you three. I'm giving you three. I'm not. Nah, no. Give it a week. I'm maybe on afl.com.au in a week. You'll find <laughs> a little bit more there. But um, no, I, I just I don't. I'm not going to say anything because I know that someone will think I'm 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 committing to three, and I, I'm I'm not at that point yet. But um, I think all of them have been equally assessed. I'll put it that way. They are putting in the work, and they are interviewing these guys 
to to within an inch of their lives. And um, I've said this before as well. I think Sam Mitchell's involvement in the draft process I, I really like because he clearly he's committed to the draft as being a central point of what they're going to do um, and and need to, to nail these selections. I think they nailed the first one last year and his first one as coach and they'll be looking to nail this one too. Yeah. Go, Brad. You want I to just had something? a quick question for Cal. Obviously, Hawks, the last couple of years, we've had top 10 pick. We got uh, Granger Barras with pick six in 2020, which unfortunately seems like a really weak draft. It's obviously the COVID draft. Josh Waters, you mentioned, was... Uh, and, you know, uh, we nailed that pick. How strong is this draft? Is the top 10 as strong as, you know, say, the top 10 last year? And we've obviously got pick 24 as well, which will hopefully be a good play. But, you know, when does the draft start to, uh, you know, really open up? Yeah, good question. I think the, the first uh, 10 is really, really strong, really. You know, do we count Ashcroft in that? Probably not. But but beyond him, there's there's a dozen players who've been invited to the draft, and it's a really clear dozen. So I think that's where clubs are trying to get in and push their way up. But clubs inside the the eight to ten picks just don't want to move back, and, and it takes something really special to move back from a from a pick swaps point of view to to do that this year. So um, I don't think it's got the depth of of previous years, uh, and that's probably going to be illustrated in how few picks there are. There was, I think there was 59 picks off the top of my head in 2020. There was clearly, as you said, reasons for that. This year we've had a full season and I think there's going to be about the same. So that probably tells a little bit of a tale in terms of some of the development missed, to be honest, off uh, the draftees over the past couple of years as well. And yeah, just the way um, this year's panned out. I I think there's a a class above group in that, that dozen. And then the next sort of dozen or so might be the similar names but ranked a little bit different maybe one, some clubs might have them at 13, 14, the other clubs might have them at 26, 27, I don't think that variance exists within the top 12 though there's a pretty standard I think type of order that's being displayed around the competition and and after that point at 25 well I'd be worried for that on draft night because I think anything could happen Well it's a good uh, segue almost like you do this on purpose uh, for fun. Um, pick 24 is where the Hawks' second pick uh, sits at the moment. That's going to move around a bit based on um, bids and bid matches and stuff like that. Um, can you rattle off a few of the names around that area? Keeping in mind, the Hawks probably look likely to take a some sort of midfielder at pick six or pick seven. Um, who are some of the options that the Hawks um, might look at around 24? Yeah, that will be interesting what they do there. If they do go a little bit more for needs or uh, if it is about talent, because I'm all, I'm all about just the best player, the talented player for the top and then, you know, maybe work through your needs a little bit later. I I think all the clubs in the early 20s will be really keen to see if Braden George is available. Uh, and if you're a Hawthorne fan, I'd, I'd, you'd be loving if he got there for me. Um, he's, he's got star in all over him. It's just... Any, any chance? A possibility, and and mm-hmm. I think it's more unlikely than likely, but it's a possibility. Um, yep. uh, who else could be there? I think Weddle and Hayes as key backs are probably unlikely to be there. Jacob Constanti has some interest inside the top 20, but could also just be on the fringes there. Um, unlikely, I would have thought that Harry Bunnett's in the mix, given the young rucks that you've sort of brought through over the last couple of years. But if you ran that part of the draft, I think Kobe Bergeel, could be um, off interest as well. A speedy player out of Gippsland, obviously have the Gippsland links. Um, I think Jacob Ryan has some interest inside the first round, but also equally just outside the first round, who's who's going to be around that part of the draft. Could they lay a bid on Harry Rouston as a, as a midfielder too, if they went that way? So they're, they're probably the group um, that I think is going to be in that part of the draft. And uh, Max Krasuski is another who has a taller option, both ends of the ground. Um, I've, I've sort of been a bit of a fan off in the second half of the season too. So they're the, the groupings, I think, that are going to be, you know, filling most of those names. Ollie Hotton's another one. But again, might also depend on what comes through at the top pick, given it's likely, as you say, to be uh, a midfielder of some variation. Yeah, absolutely. Um, now, the Hawks have a, a stack of picks uh, later on in the draft. And you talked about sort of the draft quality 
uh, maybe not being as deep as uh, as previous as last year at least. Um, with having 41, 48, 50, 52 and 65, does that sort of suggest to you as an avid draft man um, that there might be some uh, draft night trades in the works? Yep, I think there will be some draft night trades in the works. Uh, I think there's a few options that are in play for a number of clubs um, who have a few things on the go but just won't be pulling the trigger until closer to. And look, I think the Hawks probably end up using four or five selections on the night. A little bit might be dependent on what happens with Cooper Vickery as well um, as an next generation academy player, of course, who I think is most likely to get through to the 40s and, and be available for, for you guys after the, the NGA cutoff um, and outside the protected zone. There, there's a couple of clubs who could have some interest in him in the 30s, but I think the likelihood is that these guys generally get through to the 40s and if they're not um, a top-end group. And even we saw that last year with a couple of the Saints boys who went a lot later than they probably should have. So I'd be confident um, of him getting through to that point and, and probably surprised unless something pops up over the next week that he's available. But in terms of pick swaps, uh, yes. I don't know if the Hawks are going to be involved in anything too major. Uh, maybe a couple of flick arounds later on, potentially. And But you've got to have your mind open to things. And I think that's what a lot of clubs have. That they're, they're playing A, plan B, plan C, and, and are almost ready to just press the button if certain players are gone or still there. Cal, I wanted to take you back to the 2019 draft and you had a pretty good look at Cooper Stevens, um, who you described as a hard, contested and tough midfielder. I'm wondering um, how you feel about that recruitment uh, from Geelong and, and and I guess it's clearly, uh, it's pretty clear to everyone why he didn't break through. But um, d- does, is there a lot of upside to him? Yeah, love it. I thought that was a really good pick. Um and I don't think he really wanted to leave Geelong. It was more just about, as you say, opportunity and, and coming into the trade period. He was struggling to sort of break into that team. He played, what, six or seven games last year. And and then they bring in Jack Bowes as a taller midfield option, bring in Tanner Bruin, who's going to play midfield. Um, and obviously going to have pick seven as well at the draft. And uh, they probably pick a midfielder there too. So, yeah, I, I, I think it's a really good pick. I think it's a value pick and didn't cost too much at all, really, um, to make that happen. Going back to his draft, we didn't see heaps of him. I mean, he's, he has had a bad run of injury, so he's, he's a little bit of a hard one to assess, but those are the type of recruits that I think are always worth a go. When And he wasn't he wasn't like a pluck in the first round. He, he was a pretty consensus you know, top 20 type of player, um, and a lot of clubs would have had him around that mark. So, yeah, I thought that was... Um, a good stab and we'll see if he can make the grade um, because he'll get opportunities. And, and again, a little bit different to some of the other midfielders within the group, you know, and that maybe does that affect what the, the Hawthorne recruiting team does this year? I don't know if it would, but 188, 190 centimetres or however tall he is um, gives Hawthorne a bit of a, a taller midfield option for them for sure. And at only 21, 22, however old he is, I, I thought it was definitely worth that punt. Now, the Hawks, Cal, and you touched on uh, Cooper Vickery as a next-generation academy prospect uh, who's going to be around the mark at 40 or maybe for Hawks fans, hopefully a little bit after. Um, Hawks haven't had the sort of the greatest track record with father-sons or next-gen with a few exceptions like uh, recent ones, Finn McGuinness and, uh, and Chankwath Jiath. But, um, you know, you touched on Vickery. What sort of player is he? And um, can you give us a little bit of insight into the other two uh, players that they're sort of linked with in Josh Bennett's and Jerome Lawrence through those um, channels? Yeah, I actually just bumped into um, CJ just before tonight, but he was, uh, he was on his way to the Hawthorne AFLW um, uh, best and fairest. So he's looking back, it's it's amazing to see how, how well he's done. Um, CJ, one of the great, NGA picks, really. Uh, yeah, Bennett's, I think, is a good chance as a Cap A rookie. Um, I, as, as we said before, there's going to be minimal picks after pick 30. Like, there might only be 25 to 30 national selections. So, and they get sort of a chance to grab these guys as, as Category B rookies uh, through the NGA. So, I think he'd be a bit of a chance that he's a, a forward midfield option. 
pretty pretty small. I think he's about one eighty or so centimeters. Um, had a had a solid season this year with the Rangers. He's he's a chance there. And Jerome Lawrence, look, I think he'd probably be a rookie um, option. He. Yeah, he started the year as, as one to watch and probably just didn't get going to the same degree as he probably would have liked, but he's a tall forward and sometimes tall forwards don't have big impacts um, for um, under-18 sides. It, it's, a, it's a tough competition for, for tall forwards. You know, we look at the tall forwards who are right at the top end of the, the draft. Aaron Cadman was, was really good this year. He kicked 35 goals, but... It's rare that tall forwards kick more than twenty goals in their draft season. It, it's pretty hard to do. They just it's a, it's a midfielder's game at that age. So, and probably even going forward. But uh, yeah, I think he'd be more of a rookie chance. Uh, Jerome Lawrence, obviously the son of Stephen. His his old man was a slow um, slow build as well. He was in the Hawthorne list for years before finally coming good in nineteen ninety one. He played his super player in that premiership year, Cal. So right. that would be. Yep. Uh, in keeping the bloodlines, we're going to mourn again. We talked. We were talking about Harry Shesham before. We're probably going to mourn Ed Allen as well. <laughs> um, the backstory there, of course, is that uh, contrary to what a lot of people think, uh, Ben Allen didn't really want to leave Hawthorne, but Hawthorne just assumed he was on, on his way to Fremantle and never tried to keep him. So, so uh, we're uh, having lost uh, Anderson to Gold Coast. Uh, Hawks aren't going to get Allen. He's, he's going to he's going to go where sometime somewhere in the teens. Yeah, actually, I spoke to Ed Allen at the combine, and I said, "What did you, what did your dad say about you know the Hawks and being so close and the free movement?" He goes, "Oh, well, I did ask him, and you know, I sort of said to him, you know, what happened there." He goes, "Oh, I wasn't thinking about having kids when I when I made that move." So, <laughs> um, yeah, he's a couple of games off, and he, he that's a loss, Ash. That, that put that one down as an L because he's a uh, he's going to be a really good player. I think there's something about him. Um, it's quite exciting. I, I see him a bit of a Mark Blitzov's type of midfielder. Um, play a bit of anywhere, 195 centimetres, uh, 2.81 over the 20-metre sprint. Yeah, and barely played, really. He's played the last six or seven games of the year and really got everyone excited towards then. And then all of a sudden, Blitz is the combine and is the one everyone's talking about. But I think he's somewhere in the first 14 or 15, yeah. He's uh, yeah. he's come with a rush and they yeah, good got Good bloodlines too, clearly. Uh, we've got a couple of questions from our, uh, our listeners out there. Smorganism, you got a question for Cal? Yeah, I do, Cal. Um, hi, mate. Look, just more of a question probably about next year's draft and, and just about our NGA because it's really hard to get information about what's going on with Hawthorne in their Next Generation Academy. Generally, um, we don't find out who's in our academy until if something pops up in the Herald Sun or, or there's an AFL.com article. Um, there's no real visibility. Is that something that clubs keep close to their chest or is it just, just sort of the way it sort of falls out? Good question. Uh, it's actually, um, it's not something that's really made that um, public from a, a list point of view. And sometimes these ones, I know Cooper Vickery um, sort of was a bit of a, a late sort of addition officially and, um, other clubs weren't aware that he was actually on the, the Hawthorne NGA list until until pretty deep into this season. So, um, and that can be the case a little bit. Uh, the NGA system in itself is probably something that um, is in a little bit of a review phase at the moment. All the clubs in recent weeks, months have been asked for feedback on how the best way to service it is and what it looks like going forward. And have they found the right balance between um, development and and talent and working out the development part and, and bringing through different um, sort of communities through the game that way versus what reward the the, the AFL clubs get for um, getting a player and making them better because if you make them too good through the academy then you, you lose access to them as well but uh, I don't think that's just a Hawthorne thing Thanks for that Cal Bobby, good evening, got a question for Cal uh, Two uh... Cal, well, one will be just early thoughts on Will McCabe for next year and where he might land. And the other one is on your comments about the depth of the draft. Would, do you think there's much of a, a point trading or, or selecting players so late in the 40s and 50s and maybe turning those picks into something next year instead? Good questions. Uh, McCabe looks good. I, I like what I saw of him at the under-16s championships. I know he's playing a year above, but 
uh, yeah, I think there's a bit there to work with, to be honest. So, yeah, I think uh, obviously father son luck not on your side this year with Alan, but he he looks like me to play to, to keep an eye on next year, and uh, there's a bit to like there. And trading picks from this year into next year, that is easier said than done. I think a lot of clubs have been looking to do that and have been looking to do that. Well, I know a lot of clubs have been looking to do that, but just haven't been able to get any traction on that. So, um, you know, I know every every year that the grass is greener, all that type of thing, the younger brother's always better. There's always that part of it. But the way things are looking, it's just been hard for clubs. And that was a little bit of a roadblock in, a bit of a roadblock in the trade period to some things happening as well. And I also think that the, the rule change with the NGA has meant that clubs don't uh, have as many trading partners for points, which has meant that some things um, haven't been able to get through. And, and we saw um, North Melbourne trade pick 43 for a future fourth-round pick from Hawthorne via Fremantle or whichever way. And that was probably um, a key point to how hard it is to, to get a, a better pick next year because I just don't think that there's a market for it as yet. Um, and Harley Reid, um, should I be selling my firstborn for a crack at Harley Reid? Is he, is he that good? <laughs> Concede for Reid. It's um, oh, he's yeah, he's pretty special. I think if he can, if he can take his game another level next year, and it's going to be hard, but if he can take his game another level next year, I think it'd be nearly as complete a two-year draft showing as I've seen in my time um, working it. He yeah, his his bottom age year was as good as you'll see from a bottom major. And if you can back that up and go a little bit better and take it a, a notch a notch higher, then it's gonna be pretty phenomenal. Often that doesn't happen. So I, I hope we're not gonna jinx him but because he's he's pretty driven, but he's 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 plenty he's so exciting and there's so much dust and mind about him, he's yeah, but he goes goes overhead and plays both ends, then does the midfield stuff. Yeah, he's yeah, he's number one next year at the moment, that's for sure. Cal, uh, while we're talking about next year's drafting, you touched on uh, Will McCabe um, and also touched on brothers, uh, younger brothers being better. Um, there are two potential younger brothers of, of um, and father-son picks in Culture Deer and Ned McGuinness um, who are eligible for father-son next year. Um, do you know, well, what do you know about those two prospects and... Uh, are they likely to be sort of in in the draft next year or draftable next year? I don't know much about Deer as yet. Um, so we'll keep an eye on him next year. And Ned is obviously uh, Finn's younger brother. And, yeah, I, I remember seeing Ned around a lot uh, when I used to watch Finn play a lot in his draft year um, for Scotch College and the Sandrian Dragons in 2019. And I think he's, from all reports then and, and even now, he's a pretty talented player and has had a little bit of a growth spurt, but that'll come as well um, next year. So I'm sure he'll be a part of the Sandra Dragons program. And obviously, um, what is he? He's their third generation um, Hawks, aren't they? The McGuinnesses. So there's even better bloodlines there than pretty much anyone in footy. So, um, and that was, I think, just on that, a bit of a highlight for, for me watching the Hawks this year is just seeing um, the faith given to, to Finn to take on a role and make it his own. Um, so, yeah, I do remember Ned. I haven't seen much of Ned recently. He's obviously missed a couple of years in Victoria as well, footy-wise. But, um, yeah, I think he'll be in that program next year for sure. Uh, Cal, someone who we both used to work with, who's heavily involved in the East Brighton Vampires, <laughs> tell, tells me that uh, that Ned, uh, Ned is the better, is the better, has always been the better player. So, uh, but he's he yes. row, he, he's into rowing at the moment. So once right. he gives up the uh, once he gives up the oars and concentrates on a footy. Uh, he might be a player, so that, uh, that's one man's opinion. And uh, I think we both... He knows a bit about footy, this guy, so we'll, <laughs> we'll wait and I, I think he's. I think he's had a bit of a later growth spurt, Ned, so um, maybe the rowing would be good for the shoulders. That's right. He'll certainly... His upper body will be... Make the inside midfielder from the start. Stuart, uh, you got a question for Cal? Uh, yeah, thanks, guys, and thanks for, thanks for this, Cal. Um, you, you mentioned before uh, clubs trying to come up uh, move up in the draft. Uh, there was a whisper um, a couple of weeks ago that um, a couple of clubs like St Kilda were trying to, to get get Hawthorne's pick to get ahead of people for, say, a bustlinger or someone like that. Can you see that happening at all? 
and what would they need to entice us with? Yeah, I, I think it's probably unlikely to see the Hawks move. I just think um, we're going to struggle to see unless the deal is really. I think I think if you're inside the top five, six, seven, you'd probably want a future first to move back five, six spots. And are you going to find a club that's willing to do that? I don't know if you would, um, or a first round pick to do it. Like you know, Sydney's been itching to get up the board with fourteen and seventeen, and that's not going to be enough. So I think you'd need to be a spot somewhere inside the first dozen and then a future first as well to to probably tempt you. Um, would that tempt them this year? I'm a little bit off the view that um, once you have a really clear idea of who the player is that you're going to pick, you have a much better idea of what you're giving up and then you, it's harder for you to do that. So um, yeah, I, I think uh, the 90% chance is, or the 95% chance is that Hawthorne takes pick six and uses it to the draft. Great, thank that, you. Thanks, Stuart. Ivan, good evening. Yeah, good evening all. Cal, um, Ivan. Two, two things for you, sorry, two things for you. Um, yeah, Braden George, yeah, massive tick, and uh, Danny's loving that. Um, second pick, what do you think of the boy Keela from South Australia? Um, and you reckon we're any chance of pinching Munkara from um, at the Bombers? Uh, Keela going to be a really interesting on draft night. Actually, I'm fascinated to see where he ends up. Obviously, the Crows haven't nominated him, so he's a free-for-all in the open draft all the way through. Um, has some interest in the 30s. I don't know if he'd be at 24. I think that'd probably be maybe a little bit early, but in that 28 to 40 range, I reckon he's probably more likely to fit in. Um, Mankara, no, I think Mankara probably gets the Bombers as a rookie, to be honest, if I was banking on something now. He, He's obviously, um, he hasn't played too much sort of footy-wise um, for a long time this year. He played really well early in the year then wasn't able to, to get out there on the park for a few months there. And um, yeah, I think there's, a, there's sort of, uh, yeah, I feel like there's every chance that he gets through the national draft and is available in the Bombers as a rookie. So I doubt it. And I, and what's your other pick? Um, just going through the picks. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think that it's probably going to fit into that sort of 40 range. I'm glad you went to the the later picks, uh, Cal. Um, just give our, I guess, having a crack at that. Maybe haven't, you know, put it all together or had a, you know, a, a fair crack at their their draft season, uh, but that you think might be worth taking a punt on uh, later in the draft. Yeah, good question. Um, who would I say that I kind of like? I like Toby McMullen. I thought he was a bit underrated, well, just underexposed, to be honest. Little bits and pieces that we saw from him. I thought he had some ability late in the year um, and, and tested really well at the combine. I think he's someone who could come up a fair bit. Like, I think as, as the year goes on, we'll see a bit more of him um, next year and wherever he goes in a, as an AFL player. So he's been a bit of a fan that I'll have. Um, I don't think he's necessarily for the Hawks, but I feel like Mitch Zabowski is going to be available in that sort of 40 onwards range and is going to be someone who um, clubs could get a bit of a bargain with. Um, one of the key backs could be okay, and Jed Adams or Hugh Davies or James Van Ness um, for a club. I feel like he's one of those guys. He's, he's got some ability. I like Hugh Bond. Um, yeah, he, he's a competitor, probably a second half of the draft type of operator as well. Charlie Clark, he's, Charlie Clark's going to be interesting. He's got some fans inside the first 20 or so, but he could also get through a little bit, so he might be there a little bit later on. And um, Connor McDonald's someone that I reckon's um, a different, not your Connor McDonald, another Connor McDonald, um, who's the brother, younger brother of Logan McDonald. He's a different player. He's a midfielder. Um, he actually ran the 2K in six minutes and 17 seconds or something a couple of days ago, um, having had some requests from clubs to do that. So he's someone that um, I'm not sure if he's going to be uh, in the top 40 or so, but yeah, there's, there's a little bit to like from him, I think. Paul, you got a question for Cal? Uh, yeah, hey, Cal. How are you, mate? Um, quick question. Um, I just saw Jason McCartney pop in too just before in this uh, thing, so if anybody else saw that. Um, but Essendon's pick at 22, is there a chance that um, 
Davy gets selected before that, then they try and trade that out. So maybe Hawthorne could jump on that at all. They they could. I mean, they've had twenty two on the table for a while now. The Bombers. Um, I think it's going to be it's going to be really tight whether the bid comes before that because we'd expect that uh, that is then bounced out to twenty four by the time the two bids come in. So yeah. Can Hawthorne target it? They could look to package up some later points and go through for, for picks. Uh, I'm not sure. It might be more of a future selection that could get that done for the Bombers as well. That could tempt them if it's a future two from another club. Um, but that that pick has been on the table for a while now, for sure. Hawks, Hawks have got a couple of future um, second-round picks, actually, at the moment. Yep. But, um, yeah, that might be one to keep an eye on using that one that they picked up from the Dogs in the trade period. Um, I've got I've got one more question for you, Cal, and I'll throw it back over to Ash. Uh, start of the year, there were a couple of big South Australian tools that were uh, quite highly rated and performing well, and they just dropped off the face of face of the earth. Um, Harry Lemmy and Tom Scully. Um, do you still see both of those guys getting drafted? And um, and I guess what what happened to them? Yeah, it's a great question. Uh, Harry Lemmy, I just never felt really got confidence going this year, and and, and towards the end of the season, moved into the back half, and that was probably where he he got going mostly. I think he'll be picked. I think you get picked um, and picked as a defender because um, he just wasn't able to sort of produce that same forward line work that he was doing last year, particularly late in the season um, in the final series there. And yeah, blame uh, Sorry, Scully. Tom Scully is a fascinating story, really. I mean, he, he was kicking a thousand goals in the first half of the season, averaging five or six a game. Um, and, yeah, just, I think, missing out on the championships in South Australia probably caused a little bit of a dent in his self-belief as well. But he, he come down and got picked for the AFL Academy early in the year. Um, he can mark it. He kicks goals clearly, converts his shots generally. So um, he could still get a shot late. He's throwing three centimetres, I think. So he he can move pretty well for a player that, that height. It's more around... Yeah, probably both of them just um, getting that um, sort of more combative nature, I guess, um, to be a big player. Clubs aren't their bigger players to be as sort of really real combative options when you can be. Um, So I don't know exactly where those two fit in, but I feel like they both should get opportunities at at some point. I think Lemmy is is definitely more of a chance to to get selected and and will get picked. Scully might be more of a, a, a rookie option for a club looking to take a bit of a punt on a tool who's shown he can... Kick a goal. Um, Daz, you got one last quick question for Cal before we go? Oh, Cal, I, I would just love to know if you had much of a look at Fergus Green. Um, I know he was drafted quite a long time ago. And are you surprised that the Hawks um, nabbed him up? And do you think he's he's going to have a, a, a good second life as an AFL player at the Hawks? I'll be honest, I think you guys probably would have watched more Fergus Green recently than, than I have. But he... Clearly, uh, can kick a goal, and I think it was a little bit of a targeted, well, clearly a targeted move once once Gunston moved out, and um, they had he had other interests as well. So there's a reason why he was picked as a, a delisted free agent versus maybe an SSP player or as a rookie, and that's because he had other interests out there. So uh, clearly, um, a few clubs and a couple, one in particular, was looking at him pretty strongly. I think so. Uh, he had the link to Hawthorne. It was probably obviously easier for him to stay in Melbourne and go there. So uh, that's part of the background, I think, to why he was selected as a DFA um, rather than taken as a rookie or SSP player. And we'll see some delisted players picked as rookies or SSPs in coming weeks and months as well. So, yeah, they've clearly had a pretty successful run recently, haven't they? Um, the Hawks in, in terms of the Box Hill um, production line. So why not give it a crack? Uh, no, to Darren, Cal doesn't do the VFL. So, uh, just let me no, but Cal, Cal was reporting on the draft in 2016, uh, weren't you, Cal? Yeah, I, I was. I, was uh, I, I can't remember as much of Fergus's uh, work at that point. But... Kick 70? <laughs> you don't remember? <laughs> um, Cal, are you a fan? Before we let you go, last question. Are you a fan of the two-day draft, or would you rather just get all knocked over in one night? And second part, what happens at Clubland the minute the first, the last pick of the first night gets called out, I love the two night draft. I think it gives um, 
the top 20 or so selections, great prominence. And then the next day, the next 10 or so picks or 15 picks get really good prominence as well. And overnight, there's a lot of discussion around who that group could be. Without the gap, you know, really, I reckon the first 15 or so would, would get uh, their moment in the sun. And after that, it'd just be, um, you know, Ash, we've worked plenty of drafts together as well. It goes through, long, it's a long night, but also it moves pretty it's quickly. It moves pretty quickly in some ways too. Whereas, you know, pick one, pick two, pick three, you get their, get their moment in the sun. But later on, they can sort of whip through them. So I like to factors over two nights. Uh, what happens as soon as the... The, book, the bell rings for the final peak on the opening night is the clubs stay in their rooms and get on their phones, really. They start um, calling around who could be the options for the next day. Um, obviously, with the Hawks having a, an early second-round pick, should they hold that you know, on the opening night? Um, plenty of calls will come their way as well around what they'd be willing to offer and, and do to, to do that. Um, last year, there was obviously those discussions with their early second-rounders as well. Could they go, go up and and grab Johnson off Frio, what would Frio need, all that type of stuff. So, yeah, I, I, I like it for that reason. I feel like it um, sort of spreads out the attention and, and spotlight for more players than otherwise would they would otherwise get. And the restaurants of nearby <laughs> Ligon Street and uh, North Melbourne get nice working out as well as the uh, draftees get taken out that, to dinner that's, afterwards. That's true, although, you know, finishes pretty late uh, on both nights, so... And that's the other thing about doing it over one night. We did twenty twenty draft in one night. I think there was a bit of a view that there'd be even less picks than there was. Did twenty twenty not in one night's draft, and it was about five and a half hours, and probably the longest night of my life, I reckon. So I think um, I think it's good to do over two. Yeah, well, I'm not a deadline, but it's uh, well, yeah. So I don't really care one way or the other. But yeah, we've had some very late nights when you're back working and they're clearing the stages <laughs> and everyone's, and you're still tapping away writing stories. So it's probably a blessing. What was your favourite one, Ash? Which was, which, which was your, which was your favourite um, showground or stadium that we, we filed in the back of, um, as they were packing up the bins around us? Well, the highlights always been for me was the drafts when um, we go for the drinks afterwards on the AFL's dime, which was <laughs> good fun. And, and Ken Wood, who was the AFL's guru draft salary cap guru, the man in football who more than anyone else would write a book, he would stand there quite anonymously and just sit there and have a drink and watch everyone around him. Most of the people there not having a clue who he was. Yeah. He was actually <laughs> the most important person in the room was Ken Wood. He's but, the rules uh, man. Yeah. yeah, the rules man. But uh, oh, the Gold Coast ones were always fun because, uh, you know, you had to get up there sort of quite early to, that, that day. You go to the beach and then the next morning you go out for breakfast and hit the beach again and that sort of thing. So I enjoyed the Gold Coast. A couple of times they did one. The most recent one I travelled to was in the west of Sydney, which was a complete waste of time. You just thought, why are we going away to Sydney to go sit in a, I don't know which year it was, you might remember, we sat in a in one of the, out at the showgrounds in Sydney, in one of the... I think that was, yeah, 2016, I think, Andy McGrath's yeah, here. Well, if, you, if you're going to go to Sydney, you might as well be out, you, know, you might as well be in some suburbs somewhere. So that, to me, seemed a complete waste of time. But uh, we have at Doc Andy, I haven't seen any advisory. Are we at Marvel Stadium? We are. Yep. Marvel Stadium. Well, that'll be uh, that'll be good. I'll be there for the record and a few other people and Forks Insiders and you'll be there doing cast of thousands. We, um, we are going to leave it there, Cal. Thank you so much for your time as always. We really appreciate it. It is a busy time of year for you with uh, a lot of demands on your time. So we, we appreciate you giving very generously your time and thoughts. Good luck for everything in the next few days. And uh, you've always welcomed Common Hawks Insiders at any time. I know you speak on for listen occasionally. <laughs> All you have to do is press the speak button. We're always love, always happy to chat to you. Thanks and good luck for the next couple of weeks. No, thanks, Ash. Thanks, Danny. Thanks, uh, Brad and all the team. Uh, appreciate it. And um, go Hawks. Oh, well, that would have been hard to say, too. That's sincere. <laughs> go Hawks, I've heard from uh, a man who has still has posters of Tim no, Watson in no, his bedroom. Can- I'll just be clear on this. I actually don't have any uh, any um, angst towards Hawthorne at all. I, they, I, there is there is a, a myth that I do, but I really don't. No, <laughs> I really that, don't. that that I know you are very support uh, yourself equally amongst any clubs, which is great, Cal. Thanks again. We'll talk to you. We'll talk to you next time. See you guys. Thanks, Cal. That was Cal Toomey, uh, one of the great people in footy media. We had actually congratulate him on his. He has been the superstar newsbreaker as well of late. We didn't get time to talk about uh, 
breaking the Ross Lyon story and the Jason Horn Francis story as well, that he absolutely brought football, the football world to a screeching halt both times with those breaking stories. So he is he is seeing everything, as they say, cricket, seeing everything with a beach ball at the moment, doing beautifully. He's great to have him on. Danny, just some quick wrap-up thoughts before we finish up. Yeah, well, I was re- really hoping to get a, a top three out of Cal uh, for our first pick, but um, clearly he wants to save that for afl.com.au and you can't blame him, but I had to try. Um, I, look, I think, I think like he said, we're that, that top 12 being uh, a class above everybody else and us being in sort of the top half of that um, means we're going to get a really good player that can come in and contribute straight away. Um, look, I'm secretly and sneakily hoping that it's Elijah Sardis. I think he would be phenomenal. And um, one question I forgot to ask, Cal, hindsight's beautiful, isn't it? That how did uh, how has he slipped from you know being a potential number one or two or three draft pick to legitimately being a chance at going uh, at pick six or seven? So um, I know there is a couple of knocks on him, but um, I, I wouldn't be. I reckon if you're McKenzie, you would not be able to read his name out. Uh, quickly enough if he's available at our pick. So, um, yeah, I think that's that's one. I, I, I liked um, I liked his uh, chat about Josh Bennett. Bennett's actually won the Eastern Rangers best and fairest this year. So he had probably a little bit better than a solid year um, and, you know, ha- played a really, really good role for him. So if Bennett slides onto the rookie list or uh, as a Cat B rookie for next year, I think that's one to just keep an eye on and maybe he goes down the... Uh, the Luke Bruce path of being rookied and working his way up there. So, um, yeah, keep an eye out for trades. I don't, like like Cal said, I think people are valuing those picks in the top 25. So uh, it'll probably be, a you know, a 48 or a 50 and a 52 for 35 or something like that to help Brisbane with their points. So there'll be shuffles, but they won't be huge shuffles. So, um yeah, there's, look, there's a lot to play out. And as you said, there's, what, 10 days to go or 11, um, you know, more than a week and a half or something like that um, before the draft. So um, plenty can happen uh, in terms of people's mindset changing. But uh, it all, as Cal mentioned, it all hinges on uh, on what Essendon do, which is a scary thought for Hawthorne supporters. Um, they might pump their fish in the air as they did when they pinched Ir- Irving Mosquito out of Hawthorne mm. class a couple of years ago. Fat lot of good that did them in the end. Well, next week, Danny, you will have to come up with your definitive who we are taking at pick one and who we are taking, taking with the second pick. So that is your homework for next week, which will be the last spaces before the draft. Um, we will be doing some draft night activity. We'll keep you posted on the spaces on the sub stack as to what our plans are. Um, chances are we will jump on and do a live space after both nights, but we will give you our final plans um, down the track. I think there might be a competition in the Hawthorne Spaces space that night, but uh, it'd be remiss of us not to do something. We will get onto that and let you know. Um, next week's podcast, a, a random question to, on Twitter to the legendary Paul Amy about who will win a premiership first between the Cricket Hawks and the, Haw- and the Football Hawks. Uh, got a tweet reply from Ollie Hanrahan, who now plays for the Cricket Hawks, the Hawthorne, whatever they're called, Kingston, Kingston. Hawthorne, yep. Kingston Hawthorne Cricket Club, which led to a, you must come on the spaces sometime, Ollie, which led to a, I'm a big fan of you guys, I love your work. So next week, Ollie Hanrahan, who's actually going to be just back from Mexico, he's so keen to come on, he's going to be on the spaces next week. So good to chat to Ollie Hanrahan about life post AFL football, and, you know, relevant about the draft, and he had some good views, I think, about where the Hawks are at as well. So it's going to be really good to chat to Ollie Hanrahan next week. Um, don't forget the AGM files continue. A couple more to come. Uh, Anne-Marie Pulitzer and Richie Vandenberg in the next week or so. The survey will be out on... Uh, the survey results will probably release on the weekend. Darren, is that right, do you think? Yeah, um, probably... Well, I'd like to have a, a weekend with the family, Ash, so maybe Monday. Maybe Monday, OK. Yeah, we'll have a quiet weekend and... Uh, you can have a weekend with the family and uh, we'll release that on uh, the survey results on Monday, plus a couple of draft, more draft-related stories to come on the Substack. I think that is pretty much for you. Nick, Brad, you're a bit quiet tonight, but thank you for your uh, your time. No, thanks for having me, Ash. Once again, I was taking, you know, just taking a back seat, listening to Cal and Prinzi did a wonderful job. So that's his space. 
but looking forward to the you know to the next few weeks in uh, draft night, which has come around pretty quick. Well, you'll be able to pick another best twenty-two or best twenty-three uh, poster drafts as well, Brad. So there'll be some homework down the track for you, Danny. Thanks for your awesome research and your work on the draft, not just tonight, but your coverage uh, lasted a while, and that will continue on Hawks Insiders. Thank you to you. Darren, thanks for putting all this together. Andrew Weiss was listening surreptitiously from uh, from a hideaway somewhere. Didn't speak tonight, but we know he's listening. We'll get our grading from him afterwards. He'll be back uh, with us next week as well. Thanks, everyone, for your support of Hawks Insiders. $5 a month, $50 a year for the content, the Hawthorne online content that matters the most. They come to us because they know that uh, our content is the most informed and the best. So uh, thank you to everyone for your support. Have a good weekend, everybody, and uh, we will talk to you again next week on Hawks Insiders. Uh, Thanks and good night.